Welcome to the Warning Track Power Hour. I'm Andrew Scaff. He's Mike Werman. Uh, we'll get to the uh, Women's World Cup update and some NFL news a little later in the show. Uh, but we'll kick off today's episode with some baseball news. Mike, the Royals are actually on a four-game win streak this season, have not lost in six days. Second best, I think, of the season from, the, from their, like, eight-day not losing. Yeah. Because of the All-Star break uh, and rain and the weird rain out then afterwards. Uh, but what, what do you find most interesting from the Royals of recent times? The, like... Um, big hitting performances from like from like uh, Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, or you know just winning more than one game in any kind of span, or or is it or, or are you more like looking at like still the big picture and not seeing much? What what are you reveling in more of the negative things still, or, or are you just trying to grasp to this like brief moment of success? I I think I'm grasping onto the brief moment of success. This is I yesterday was the Royals' first three-game winning streak of the season, and today is now since they beat the Mets in dramatic uh, fashion with technicality, a, fashion. an illegal disengagement, which I haven't actually seen. I don't really know what happened, but the Royals have the bases loaded. They blew the game several times. They should have won, uh, and then they lost. And then they should, you know. So it was a, a bizarre game, and they. You know, it involved the bequeathed runners scoring for both teams, and it was so seven six over the over the Mets, who's I I would say in some ways their their season has been more disappointing than the Royals has been, since they were expected to do great things and they've had to trade all their good players and uh, dump salary and, and stuff like that. But I I am you know I I am I I there's nothing to look at long term that you can say that the Royals are going to be good so why even bother so I just I'm just saying well now they've won four games in a row they're 33 and 75 as of this TV airing uh or or show airing or well, podcasting at least anyway recording yeah not airing uh recording and so like they've won four in a row this is the first it's like the first actual win streak some people will say like Two games is not a winning streak. You have to have three games for a winning streak. I don't know if that's true. I'd say technically two is a winning streak, yeah, uh, because it's 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 more than one. But I, I some people will say it needs to be three to have a winning streak. But in any case, this is their first three game stretch where they have won. Now they've won four in a row. Yeah, I think they've lost four in a row or more, probably Ugh. five, six, ten times, maybe. Who knows how many times uh, this season? So it's nice to win some, and it seems like Wit is coming along, uh, and he's he had a really strong uh, last week or so. Since the All Star break, he's been really good. Today he did; I think he was only one for five, but he had a, a clutch hit in the extra in extra innings. Drove in a run and scored the tying run. And so, yeah, the Royals. You know, right now, yeah, there. It's this is it's, it's kind of like you know being a Royals fan back. As you had mentioned before, we went on the air the the era when the Onion would make fun of the Royals and talk about how the uh, I think it was two thousand five Royals the dying boy of, was brought in to cheer up the Royals rather than uh, the opposite way the other way around. So yes. I, it's so this is it's, it's one of those things where you just kind of have to embrace the losing and you know not worry about 
maybe revel a bit in the wins themselves. Yeah. Just as a as a brief respite from, you know, focusing on all the loss, all the losing, right? Yeah, I think so. And just enjoy, yeah, enjoy, and they've beaten some, you know, decent teams the last four games. It wasn't like they were playing the A's, but they they lost like, two out of three of the A's when they played the A's. Um, almost got swept by the A's, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um, yeah. I mean, they, 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 the the, sweep, the, the, the three-game win streak was actually a sweep against the first place in the Twins. Twins, yeah. And now they're playing the Mets, who's supposed to be very good, but uh, they've traded their, their trade deadline. And we might talk about the trade deadline a little bit. Yeah, uh, since the Royals have traded away a lot of players for, it doesn't seem like much in return, possibly, but who knows? But yeah, the Mets have, you know, Scherzer and Verlander, they're two uh, kind of elder statesman star pitchers that they brought in to, you know, try Very to expensive pitch. pieces though too, right? <laughs> yeah, and you know, they have that, you know, you know, how much two hundred million dollar payroll or something like that, um, plus yeah, this season plus so like. They're paying, I think, luxury tax, but they're not going to make the playoffs. And, and sellers at the trade—I de- mean, at the trade deadline—that's that's what's really disheartening, I'm sure, for Mets fans. And Mets were a team that I was betting on at the beginning of the season as, uh, you know, being able to exceed their win expectations, and they're not even close to that. They're yeah, they flamed out at the end of last season. Like yeah. they were, it seemed like they were. Like, they had like a 97 percent playoff odds, I think, like with a week to go and then they lost all these games and and then uh they didn't make it i think they made it to play in like play in one of the play-in games to get to the wild card game uh or something like that wasn't that what it was uh and it's just been yeah kind of well it's par for the course i guess for being a mets fan. there's yeah. a lot of they've had a lot of heartbreak since the 86 miracle mets and you know so they haven't won you know, they lost to the Royals in 2015, and they've been kind of floundering since. Uh, they had those great young star pitchers that were supposed to be very good, and they never quite panned out. And then, you know, Matt Harvey went to the Royals eventually. So, you know, his career, you know, you can see how far his career uh, went downward. And yeah. then they couldn't, you know, they signed Lindor. I thought, okay, it's going to be a good team. But, yeah, I, yes, yeah, so, I'm, so I'm happy with the Royals. And even though they're not, the record's nowhere near, you know, Mets are at least around 500, but yeah, they're, yeah. but they're, I mean, but money wise, that's a lot of money to be spent for a sub 500 team and then still be sellers at the deadline where, yeah. I mean, the Royals thought that they had marketable trade pieces like before the season started and then they've used them in bizarre ways, I think probably lowering their trade value over the course of the season. And then, I mean, you know, so the, you know, shortly before the deadline, the Royals traded one of my least favorite players on the team, Nicky Lopez, but the return was so little that it, it almost seems insulting to people that did not like Nicky Lopez, that the return was even too low for that. Yeah, it was, uh, they got Taylor Hearn, who had been, I think, DFA'd by the Rangers, and had been like, was the Rangers thing went to the Bra- he went to the Braves for a week. He was traded from the Rangers to the Braves. He made one appearance for Atlanta, and then they DFA'd him. But he gave up four yeah, so- runs in recording one out. Well, I think was most weird. Did you uh, have you did you pull up his um, stats for his career? I. 
been doing that right now. But, <laughs> but uh, well, the thing is, the thing that's really strange is that you know, so you know, so he will have like one complete line because he's finished with the um with the Braves. So it will look like Ooh, he has 108 ERA. 108 ERA. Okay, but but that is not the only season where his complete line for a team for a season with ended with a 108 ERA. Oh, he did that with the Rangers in 2019, apparently. <laughs> that, that, that has to be a unique stat, right? Yeah, I I guess it would be even more unique if he had like so he only threw one third of an inning and he left four runs. Right. Uh, but if it had thrown like two thirds of an inning and like eight runs, yeah. that would have been that would have been even funnier, maybe. But uh, still, yeah, he allowed actually five runs and only four earned. Well, one of them was yeah. unearned in the Rangers yeah. debut year. He yeah. had four walks, like so it's like everybody scored. Yeah, he actually did. So it could have uh, been worse, is what you're saying. It could have been worse. Yeah, he <laughs> had a. He only had two walks in this in 2023 in his in his bad. Inning and he had a, a bail out a home run, um, two hits. Yeah, it's he had a uh fielding independent ERA of 60.27 this year, 39.21 in 2019. So, I guess he technically had a somewhat theoretically better game in 2019 when he did so terribly, but yes, his ERA this season is 14.73 across the two teams he had 10.29 era when he left texas so he was has... like was it like seven innings pitched or something too so yeah it? he's he's pitched 7.1 innings now total he's allowed 12 earned runs that great six walks 11 hits seven strikeouts there was a Casey Starr article about the trade, and they they mentioned his twenty twenty three stats as being with the three like three seven seven ERA, which are his minor league stats. So those are they did not the article did not mention that it was that they were <laughs> that they were describing his minor league season, and so like it was very deceptive the way they wrote. It. I mean, I I had seen the stat line, but it was very strange to see that at least anyway. Yeah, but the, the I... article was written so poorly. <laughs> I guess the Royal single, maybe we can do something with Hearn and maybe just tweak something to make him serviceable. But it's, I but thought the Giants were anybody, also interested. Uh, I, I had read an article that the Giants were supposed to be interested in, in Lopez as well. So you would think, well, there might be something of a bidding war. And you could at least wait a day because you had, it was, the trade was made a full day before the deadline. Yeah. They, you know, they could, maybe they could have waited just a little bit and, maybe gotten a little more but this doesn't seem weird anyway but they you know they, they also traded um scott barlow who was their closer um ryan yarbrough who had recently come back from a pretty major mm-hmm. injury but had been quite good in his return mm-hmm. um was it quas uh mm-hmm. traded away Quas, who was one of their more serviceable re- relievers but used very poorly by the team in scenarios where he has not done well at all, they continued to use him repeatedly in scenarios where they knew he doesn't do well. That's what that's what is infuriating to me watching the team with you know being able to look at basic statistics and know that this is a bad idea. Yeah, he was very bad with inherited runners, like every apparently. Oh, yeah. And with more data than usually you would have. Because he'd done this a lot, and he'd been bad and continued to be bad. 
So, right. yeah, and it from yeah. what it looked like that the prospects that the Royals got in these trades, even outside the Nicky Lopez trade, doesn't seem terribly exciting. Um, maybe, maybe most concerning of it though is that they didn't fill the role that you thought that everyone seems to think the team is missing franchise is missing and that's like talent in the middle tier like the high a to like triple a there's only like one player that they got that even fits into that category yeah like six or seven prospects that they picked up at the at the deadline and i don't i don't know that you could call some of the players prospects like Hernan, i'm not sure is technically a prospect he's had parts of four seasons in the major leagues right so um, that's not really prospect status anymore. That is just a major thing player, right? Yeah, like yeah, so they got um Jesus Rios and Henry Williams for Scott Barlow. Mm-hmm. Henry Williams is yeah, like a young lottery ticket. Jesus Rios is as we I think we we saw his stats like he was very terrible. He was terrible in the Mexican league, and then he became terrible in the Dominican league. And now the Royals have him, and supposedly he will somehow be better in the American minors or major leagues. He's already old for the Dominican league. He's twenty-one, and not doing great at the, in the Dominican league, which is not usually a good sign, at least anyway. Yeah, he's he's old for the Dominican league, but because usually that league I think is like eighteen, nineteen-year-olds. Yeah, it's like the it's like the rookie league for the Latin players rather than the draft eligible kind of American players. Mm-hmm. Seems like is why it's how it's usually been used lately. Yeah. Uh, the Yarborough trade maybe has better because they got Devin Mann who could be a solid kind of maybe I guess again Mickey Lopez or like high a, a high level Mickey Lopez or maybe a Whit Merrifield type is the ideal, perhaps kind of late. He's 26, so a little bit late, maybe blooming. Um, he can play basically every part, every position. He's played shortstop and first base and second and third and outfield this year. Um, he has a good on base percentage in the triple in triple A. He's, you know, I guess probably blocked by better players in the Dodgers organization. So like maybe that could be a, a deal, but he was only, I think, ranked 29th or something like that out of the out of the Dodgers prospects right. at this point in MLB, which is Probably because he's old for yeah. a prospect, though, too. So, yeah, and then they got another kind of lottery ticket, um, Darlene Figueroa, um, nineteen-year-old shortstop prospect. So, who knows? Uh, but I don't remember who they got for Quas. Um, Nelson Velasquez is an outfielder. Has uh, been playing parts of two seasons with the Cubs. Um, seems to have a little bit of power, major league level, like nine home runs in ninety games. That's not bad. Yeah, it looks like he plays all the outfield positions. Pretty low batting average. So he doesn't strike out. It's strikeout numbers are a little high, but yeah, his, his average is low and. Yeah, they they also traded some cash to the Angels for uh, another bullpen arm, Tucker Davidson, who hasn't been that good. 
Um, he's been, yeah, like he's, uh, you met, did you mention him earlier? I did not, but I had, I, I had his uh, stats up here anyway, but yeah. yeah 6.15 ERA and 105 innings uh, in the majors. So, the majors, that's awesome. yeah. So, like, the, like those types of guys, I think you can, you can pick up off waivers, which essentially this is the Tucker Davis. Yeah. I think he'd been DFA. I think they so I think it's like they, a it's like a guarantee getting him rather than like trying to compete with all the other teams to pick up the So it might make sense. Maybe you throw a couple hundred thousand dollars at a, at the Angels. Yeah. I don't know. I think um, they just need arms. I guess they're just trying to get. He through. had a he had a like strong peripheral kind of advanced statistics. I think he only had a three point three seven like um, expected ERA or something like that. Mm-hmm. Even though it was six point five his regular ERA this year. So like. Maybe he just had some bad luck, or maybe it's bad defense. But I don't know if his defense probably is <laughs> enough to make that up. Yeah, either there I don't was know if it's time, like the 2014-2015 seasons for the Royals, like they're like all of the pitchers earned run averages were lower than their than than the FIP, which is a you know a sign of a good defense, right? So yielding independent era yeah so if, you um, at, if you're looking at trade partners and you see uh, see a player with, with a low fit but a high era that's a, that's who you should be targeting and i don't know that they can do that right now because you know you might be able to like leverage the price of that player down because their era is inflated yeah but that, i mean they're not trying to like acquire but it seems like that's those are the same players that the royals would have like Oh, he would be good if he was on a on a better team with better fielding, but he's got really high ERA. So, like, anybody the Royals are trading away versus getting, it seems like all the players they're going to get are going to be, or they're going to give away are going to be like that because the Royals' fielding has not been very good this year. It's not like mm-hmm. Lorenzo Kane and Alex Gordon yeah. are in the outfield and you know peak Alcides Escobar and uh, you know so, you know at shortstop, it's. Right. We have a catcher yeah. as a corner outfielder. So, I mean, what do you expect? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Melendez, they're trying, I guess, not to – I don't know. He seems to be like a new Mike Sweeney. They're trying to just – but at least they put Sweeney at first rather than in – I don't know. Like, I, yeah. I guess it was also possible the Royals were going to trade Salvador Perez. Did you hear about that? Like, maybe That's that was a possibility. Bad. He has a no-trade clause, though. So, it wouldn't have – I mean, that was all talk. But they, they didn't move Singer either. That they talked about Singer being moved. They talked about Carlos Hernandez being moved. And they did not move either of them. So that I mean that's I I'm happy to hear that. I thought those were guys that that have a place on the team for a couple of years at least. Anyway, there's no reason to trade them. Yeah, I would say like why not? Well, you talked about this before. Hernandez probably should be a starter for the Royals. Or they should try to serve. But he was a good starter two years ago. And then they decided, well, we're going to put him in the bullpen for some reason, and we've left him in the bullpen. He had a, he had a, he's had he had a good outing against tonight, I think. Ooh. He was yeah. I I don't understand I mean, why he, he's not a starter. You have the two run homer, but he ended up getting the win. Okay, yeah. so I saw the win. Yeah, he had a win and a save the last couple of nights. Yeah, so today tonight he got his first win. Um, Sunday night he got his first save. So back to back games, big firsts for Carlos Hernandez. Yeah, does that? I was just thinking about this. Yeah, does the does the Carlos Hernandez giving up the two home run two run homer does that count as two earned runs, one earned, one unearned? Oh, the because of the the bequeathed, uh, bequeathed 
runner, the the inherited extra. Are they going to do that next year too, or is that just a, I'm not sure. a, a still a COVID? It sounds, like, it sounds like it's here to stay. I don't know why they would change anything. So yeah, what what's your what what's what do you think it does? Does it count as an earned run? Because he did not put the guy on. I think it must because it probably counts as an earned run because doesn't it count as it counts as an RBI for the hitter? Yeah. So I would just guess it's. I would guess it's just well, if you go if you if you come on and it's somebody else's, like you know like it's if it's an inherited runner. It doesn't count for you. For you, it counts for that. You're not. Time. It counts for the last person. But in this case, there's no one to get inherit it from, unless Nobody you assign it. Nobody put him on, so he's just unless you assign it to the on. person who finished the previous inning somehow. Yes. I, I I guess you have to count it as an earner. I don't know. What what do you know? Does it say? Yeah, they they he has it listed as two runs allowed, one earned. Hmm. So. I would say that's. I, I think that's the fair thing to do, but I yeah. don't think that's the consistent thing. Yeah, he didn't put the runner on though, so I, I don't think you can give because it. it should. It sh- I don't think it should really count as an R. It shouldn't count as an RBI then either, uh, or any because it, if it, if it's not going to count against a pitcher, I don't think it should count for a hitter. That's fair, because otherwise, like you know, on the inherited side, like it counts against somebody, and so it yeah. can count for somebody and i mean it counts against his the counting stat of runs allowed but not yeah but burned yeah i guess it makes sense i it makes sense but i don't i i that's that's one reason why it's a it's a dumb rule because it It creates scenarios that ghost runner (laughs) yeah like why do you it's on second base too which is yeah. I guess it, it eliminates the double play possibility, which would be a more unfair. I guess yeah. to be a runner first, he's hitting red ball if it's two outs after one batter. Yeah. Uh, but it's still possible to have two outs after one batter in yeah. extra innings, which also I think is unfair because you only had one batter, you should be able to have two outs uh, result from it. It just it's just a well. I mean, a lot of teams will just they just try to score that one run, so they'll they'll like bunt the first guy will just bunt the runner over to third, and then sack fly you've done basically nothing and scored yeah. you know you didn't earn in any way right yeah but you've you know, then you've wasted two outs and then you have, you have nobody on and two outs and yeah. then it's i guess if, if you pitched your way out of it the first like the top half of the inning if you're the home team then that you know that's what you should do in the bottom half it's boring but it's a almost a guaranteed win though right yeah if, if you're not the royals because the royals don't have They'd figure yeah. out how to mess it up, but but maybe not this week because they've won four games this in the last four games. Yeah, maybe maybe this is the time they turn around and they will go on a, you know, they they I think they're thirty three and seventy five. They played one hundred and eight games, so they have fifty four games left. So I guess they could go, uh, thirty, you know, thirty five and nineteen. Well, if they if they won, they still would be under for our total because we had yeah. said they were going to be over sixty eight and a half, over yeah, sixty nine. Think about it this way, Mike: if they won the next forty games, they would just cross the five hundred mark. <laughs> a forty game winning streak, which would be that would be a forty four game winning streak that they yes. have, which would I would obliterate any winning streak in Major League history. 
I think the eight was it the two thousand two or ish A's and Moneyball A's like, oh, like right, 21, yeah. 21 wins or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I think and they got their last win against the Royals. Yeah, uh, that's right. When they when they were I mean, way ahead and then they were down and they came back. It was like an epic comeback too, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's oh. it's it's sad. I don't know. We should. I think. I think. I, I don't want to talk about the Royals anymore. Yeah, do we have any other? Do we have any how, other how about this? Uh, as a as a trade deadline, okay. one, one. Do you like the trade deadline because it's like a forced, um, you know, event that happens where like you know everybody's involved in some way, even if they're out of it, um, or way ahead. There's you know they're still trying to get better. Uh, do you like? Do you one? Do you like the trade deadline as as an event? And then uh, two, um, which teams do you think came out the best in the trade deadline? I do like the trade deadline. I I understand. I think it makes sense why you have it. So, like, teams can't collude and, like, you know, get something for nothing at the end of the season. And, and so, like, it, it keeps things fair. And it does something. I think it, it provides a little bit of drama in the summer for teams that are both out of it and in possibly in it so like i do like i do like the trade deadline like i think maybe it could be moved back even a little bit but i also like having the last two months uh as sort of pure or guess you know using waiver wire deals or whatever if you want but i think that's um, out now i don't think you can do waiver trades anymore oh okay is that why they have officially like ended that era is that why they moved the trade deadline back a few days because it used to always be the it was july 28th or Thirty first or something. Now yeah. it's like early August usually. No, it's the first um, of August. I guess they moved it back like a day. I don't know why. Yeah, um, I like having it. They have yeah. it in football, um, and it wasn't much of anything in football until recently. I think in football the trade deadline doesn't work as well, well because usually you can't get integrated into the offense or right. the defense very quickly because it takes a lot of off season work. And so, but baseball, it's you know it doesn't like you just have to maybe learn the signals, but like. You're doing the exact same thing. It's a plug and play kind well, of system. And now with the um earpiece and catcher's, you know, device, um, they just they don't have to like learn it necessarily complicated yeah. signals anymore. Um, yeah, I you, guess you may if you're a base runner, I guess maybe you do or or something like that. Right, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where baseball it's it's easy, like if you switch, like they have team, they have players switch uniforms in the middle of a double header historically and play for the one oh, team right. game one and then the other team in game two. And like, yeah, it works just like you're still doing the exact same thing. You know where left field is, you know where the, you know, you don't, you, you, you hit the, you know, it's everything's the same. Football's a little, yeah. little more complicated. Basketball's kind of similar. You know, there might be a little bit of an offense system that you learn, but like it's basically just five guys running around kind of in a, Shooting, like cohesive walking, stuff like that. It's all the same, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like, yeah, I do like having it. Um, yeah. do you, so do you, do you do you like the trade? Before I decide who's who's who won the trade deadline, do you like the trade deadline as well? Yeah, I, I think it's good. Yeah, it gives you like even if you're completely out of it, you've got a little hope, you know, about getting better faster. Um, you know, by trading maybe expensive players that you're not going to have control over in the, for too much longer. Uh, for hopefully getting you know better in the future, so it's like maybe a way to skip ahead. But yeah, it's it's disappointing to see like the you know like what the Royals did with this trade deadline. It's like you know they didn't really seemingly fill the gap from where they 
you know, what they what they needed. Um, if they're trying to rebuild their minor league system, the draft trade deadline, uh, they didn't do that at all and at all. So, yeah, if if I had to give like an initial grade on the Royals performance uh, in the non baseball activities of. Of like this part, it's a it's a, a gigantic F. It's just <laughs> terrible watching them do this. So it's like, I guess in some way, though, you know, the trade deadline needs to be there. And it, uh, you know, makes me feel something. It makes me, I'm still hopeful, even though they, you know, seemingly organizationally can't do anything at all. May, you know, that makes any kind of sense from a rational analysis level. So it is frustrating, but it still makes me like feel something though, which is still, I guess, good in some way. But yeah. As, uh, Sigmund, as Sigmund Freud once said, there's nothing worse than a succession of fair days. Meaning, uh, yeah, you have even having bad at least helps you feel different from just monotony, uh, which is, I would say, uh, so like, I I think, I think there's some truth uh, to that. But yeah, I think the Royals didn't do very well, but like they're already doing so terribly that they aren't going to win the trade deadline. And they have such, they don't have, like, if win, at least try to add, add a prospect that, I mean, you're not gonna. You won't have heard of them, right? I mean, you're, we don't. Yeah, follow they're forty games. Every other team, five hundred to know. But you'd think that you get at least a prospect that, you know, other analysts think is a decent prospect, or is referred <laughs> to as a prospect, not a failed major leaguer or a you know fringe, interesting player that already has some major league experience. It's not, I mean, they didn't fill any of the gap, yeah. of, you know, depleting your minor league system by calling them all up to the majors in like three years, you will have replenished that anyway. But the idea here was to skip ahead in that process and not have to wait three years for rookie league guys to become triple A players. You could get double A players now that'll be triple A players next year. So you're like, rebuilding your system in a shorter amount of time and they didn't do any of that at all well part of that might be because the royals were so bad that they don't like if they're that bad that means none of the players on the team can command any decent prospects they were so bad like maybe there were only 20 games under 500 then there might be some more appealing players that might think oh well they would help the royals become well like it's like the mets like you know the mets were five games under 500 when they traded their guys away. And I'm sure they got a lot better prospects because they were also a lot better players, but you know, the, it's like the, the Mets were disappointing because everybody thought they were going to be really good. Right. And then they were just like mediocre to slightly worse. And the Royals, they thought, well, maybe they'll be mediocre to slightly worse. They were actually really, really bad. So like, all like, there weren't, there weren't any, like, unless they traded Salvador Perez or, singer or somebody good they weren't going to get anybody good in return probably um yeah so but like I, it's I, like what they were trying to do here was like the last week they were like trying to market certain players to other teams by like doing a thing that no one else cares about so like on the last day of nikki lopez's kansas city tenure they had him start at first base i was like oh this will raise his value so high that we'll get somebody who you know has once thrown 99 miles an hour that's i mean that's like basically what they've done essentially (laughs) like nobody cares about utility infielders that's not 
a thing that anyone values at all. You know, like if you have a guy that can hit and maybe he can play a second position, well, that may have some value, but that it just seems like they want to have guys that are defensive guys first. And then, you know, they can be okay. Maybe they deliver a, a big hit in a weird game sometime. That isn't, that isn't something anyone else values at all. So that's, yeah. that's what's disappointing is like, you know, if you can see if you can, you could build some value in some way and the Royals have like done the wrong thing with, with their players. They don't seem like they know how to market their players to other teams either. So it's, it's a, it's really kind of a disappointing to see what they do on many levels, not just the direct, this guy got traded for this guy. That doesn't look very impressive, but like all of this is like a long, a season long thing that they could have built to a trade but they like screwed all of them over and they've actually hurt these players careers by how they've been using them too, which is, you know, another level of stupid that this organization continues to seem to do. I guess I see it more as, well, we got rid of the crap that we know is bad. Yeah. And we brought in, other, we brought in some unknown, like they might all be terrible, but at least it's different, terrible players, but then sure. they might turn out to be better. So like, I, I, I don't think the Royals got a lot of, great stuff but i don't know if it's because they missed out on getting great players or just because that was what was available and they got what was available and at least you know they got rid of like it's like a garage sale you know you don't necessarily you aren't looking to make a ton of money you just want to get rid of your old stuff more than anything and maybe this is just getting rid of some of the stuff and but they seem like they've done some new stuff that maybe turn like the number of players they got was more than the players that they got rid of, right? So is they have they just gotten more stuff? They just they've still ended up accumulating more stuff though. Like. Well, they did, but now we can say, well, maybe some of this stuff is actually better than we thought. Like you know, we know this old book isn't very good, but now we got two kind of tattered books. Maybe <laughs> one of these is actually a first edition or a, you know something valuable or something maybe it's a you know we're you know we're sharp antique dealers or something like that but but yeah i i see your point but like it's hard to like i I don't think the royals were going to get like the next you know uh ronald acuna or somebody in this prospect trade so yeah i don't but i mean they at least could have gotten somebody that that was valued even by the organization as being considered a prospect period right (laughs) maybe they can get a donald acuna or a something like that there was an acuna in the uh in the uh scherzer trade that's right yeah uh yeah it's it's um ronald acuna's um little brother i think isn't it that's right that's maybe that's why i was thinking ronald yeah Yeah, that's why he was on my mind but like Yeah. yeah like of the, of the teams that did the best, I would say I, it seems like it was American League teams. Like it was Rangers that got a lot of stuff, got a lot of good players. The Astros did with Verlander, especially at the end. Um, he won a Cy Young last year with them. Now he's back on the team after signing this huge, huge contract with the Mets. Um, the Angels seem like maybe they got better too. Um, In the last week, they went from being sellers, like possibly even trading Otani. Yeah to being buyers instead and then acquired i think what starting pitching and maybe a couple other pieces too yeah so i mean that, that it's pretty crazy like how you know a one-week sample size can turn an owner from being 
potentially selling off the team to you know spending more money mm-hmm. right yeah yeah the it's much more fun to be on that side of things than on yeah like, i yeah, i still kind of remember you know reveling in the 2014 2015 royals when they got you know ben zobrist and johnny cueto in 2015 to yeah. you know so like when the, when the, yeah it's it's better to be one of those teams but i guess it's i don't know it's still interesting it, it gives you a little bit of boost of baseball because there's not a whole lot else going on other i guess now we have the women's world cup happening in australia New Zealand. have you watched any of the games they're all like at two in the morning yeah i watched, the, I, I watched the, the first game but i did not watch the other the vietnam i watched i watched part of the second game i did watch they almost got bogged down another quagmire uh in vietnam but they emerged victorious against the team they probably should have beaten like nine to nothing and they won kind of lackluster three nothing then they tied the netherlands who ended up winning the group and then they tied portugal who was also a little bit below uh the usa's level and so they were one oh and two or one two and oh if you do it the weird soccer way win draw loss rather than win win lose or draw um but so it's the 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 americans made it to the to the knockout round around 16 what 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 do you think what did the netherlands do in their last game i didn't see that did they did they win their game? So the the, the U.S. Yeah. second. The, the Netherlands beat Portugal and they beat Vietnam. So they were two zero and one, and they had um, seven points. Uh, the uh, the USA was one zero and two, and they had five points. And then Portugal was one one and one, so they had four points. So they finished third in the group. And then and they almost had they made their goal like it, there was like a, a shot off the post in the last like you know minutes of extra time that they would have if had they made had, they, had that gone in the united states would have been going home but, uh, um, and vietnam lost all three because nobody expected them to win but um this was one of those games where what like four years ago um the usa played who they they played like was it thailand or something and they ran up the score and they were like hot dogging it and like celebrating each of the goals like when it was like eight to nothing like as if they had won the World Cup, and like I thought that was kind of stupid the way they did that, but at least they could score a lot of goals this time. They they can't. I don't I don't know if you, you remember that. You remember that controversy? Yeah, the kind of Megan Rapinoe leg farts that she did when she scored she, to go up seven to nothing over like the hapless uh, I team. Yeah, um, I think it was Thailand, wasn't it? I'm not sure. I remember it was thirteen to nothing. Thirteen to nothing. They beat yeah. Thailand. Um, yeah, Alex Morgan scored five goals. Yeah, Rapina scored in the 79th minute to put them up like ten to nothing, and then like she like it was this huge celebration. Like uh, she like slid and like uh, like it was like as if that was like the winning goal of the World Cup. They celebrated like that, yeah. and like it became like the sort of controversy about. Uh, you know, should they be able to celebrate? And like, if you if you kind of conclude their celebration, it was because you were against women or something like that. But like, it was like it was one of those things where, like, a men's team would not do that because if you're a the World Cup, you're not going to beat anybody thirteen to nothing because there aren't going to be any teams that would probably be that bad in the World Cup. Although maybe in this one because in the next 
2026 World Cup in the United States, Mexico, and Canada, there's going to be 48 teams, so maybe there'll be a really bad team. But um, that's what this Vietnam team probably wasn't much better than that Thailand team uh, that the USA played. I would guess just, I don't know, maybe just because I'm thinking South, Southeast Asian countries that probably were in their first World Cups. Um, and the USA only won 3 nothing against them, whereas they won 13 nothing four years ago. They aren't as good as they were four years ago, sure. I don't think. Um, it seems like the, most, the rest of the world has advanced, I think, too, right? And the U.S. team, I think, is somewhere than uh, not all the best players are available or, you know, are, are aging, right? So... Yeah, like the, a lot of the best players, like Carly Lloyd, is gone. Um, yeah, Rapino is older now. Um, Rose Lavelle has been hurt. Now she has like yellow cards that she can't play and oh, knockout games. Yeah, she. I think she has two yellow cards, and so she can't play again in the round of sixteen against Sweden. I believe Sweden's the next one. Yeah. When, uh, so when is when is the next game? Um, it is going to be. On. Must be on the weekend. Uh, yeah, I don't. Su- Sunday, Sunday, Sunday at three a.m. Eastern. So what, Saturday night, Sunday. But it's I guess it's I don't know what day it is there. It'll be Monday maybe. Oops, Sunday there, Monday. Who knows? I I'm always confused about the Australia the international date, date line and yeah. date line because it's the next day, but it's also like the same time. Like it, it's it yeah it, it's so it's. Maybe it'll be like it. I think it's probably going to be a primetime night game in Australia, and it's three a.m. here, so it's like seven p.m. Yeah, on Sunday night. But we, it's three a.m. on Sunday morning here, so it's like Saturday night. So it's like the next day mostly. But yeah, it's a. I don't think any international events should be in Australia because no population. Cent- I guess some of the I guess Asia. There's a lot of Asian viewers and things like that. Yeah. Maybe I'm just a chauvinist about Western culture that uh, North, South America, and Europe should be the ones considered. Uh, they're the ones paying all the money for the rights. I don't think uh, the Chinese broadcasting system doesn't pay any money to uh, FIFA. I don't think uh, to broadcast uh, oh. the World Cup. Not like it seems like only the American networks pay all the money because I think most of the other con- countries have like state broadcasting systems that. Uh, automatically uh do it so there's no like compete competition or anything right um there's no pockets yeah um so it should be based basically around usa television uh viewership i think but um why why don't they just play it on the u.s schedule then is is that's what that's the other way to do it right yeah yeah so exactly so yeah, that's what they did. That's what they. That's what we do. Like in the um, that's what we did when we hosted the World Cup in '94. Uh, basically, all the games were played in the daytime, which was dumb because like it gets to be 100 and some degrees here, and like so we play at night. But the, but daytime here is night in Europe, so that's why they yeah. wanted to watch it. Um, yeah, if you start like, a game at nine o'clock at or eight o'clock in Central Time or something, nine o'clock Eastern. Yeah, it's like 3 a.m. in Europe, right? So yeah, yeah. So like all, the, I guess, I guess advertisers uh, around the st- around the, uh, you know, the the pitch, uh, you know, but it's like I don't know. It's all it's like, it's like McDonald's and Coca Cola and you know, I you wonder do they actually increase sales that much because they're at the World Cup? Like everybody knows what they are. Yeah. Anyway. 
you know, like, I don't know. It's one of those, I guess, what does advertising really bring you? Right. Well, then how point. good is your product if someone forgets about it, if you haven't been, you know, told about it again in the last eight minutes? Yeah. We need Don Draper here to ex- explain yes. how advertising. <laughs> but it's what it's, it's like, yeah, Coke or Pepsi or whatever. It's like, you know, that's what's there. It's maybe in some countries, maybe it's a little bit more like of a novelty or something, but it's. Yeah, it's the same sponsors for every major. Yeah, event. Budweiser, Coke, uh, McDonald's, Toyota, or whatever. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe car. All, maybe the, car all the car companies. Yeah, car companies change or the yeah. Heineken or whatever. Yeah, um, I don't know. But anyway, I guess that's. I remember the Olympics because, like, when the internet came around, like the Olympics. Like they used to be able to really kind of, you know, people wouldn't know what happened in the Olympics. Like if they were, uh, yeah, you know, held in Australia or Japan or someplace like that, because there wasn't the 24 hour news cycle and like everything on the, online that you could see uh, instantly because nobody wants to stay up at two. You could just wait till the NBC primetime package uh, at seven o'clock the next evening. They still do that somewhat on the Olympics for like yeah. gymnastics and stuff. Um, because, Especially for like the, the big highlight events, at least anyway, or the surprising outcomes, they'll get yeah. in, the, in the main package, right? Yeah. So I, it's not. I don't know. I'm sure Australia and New Zealand deserve to have the. Uh, they're much more deserving to, to host the Women's World Cup than uh, Qatar was deserving to host the Men's World Cup, which was a, right. And that and that ended up you know freezing out all of the uh, like liquor. Beer companies. Yeah, it was a, it was it was just done because the because FIFA is very corrupt and they were bribed and what? Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's funny how I don't know uh, that this is tolerated uh, uh, so much. Like it's it's sort of a part. Like we think of American government, American system as being very corrupt, but like it's nothing compared to like traditional kind of European and african and like international ways of doing business it's a, it's yeah. a it's a our corruption here is very minuscule compared to like traditional corruption in other other you know non-english speaking parts of the world especially it's um yeah. there's an interest there was a good uh, there's a good documentary on fifa corruption uh on netflix from um i think it aired right before the world cup uh, if you don't want to watch it but it also, it also talks about like CONCACAF and stuff like that, how it was like run basically by these little Caribbean, uh, like, uh, you know, strongmen basically that were able to. Of some kind. Yeah. Um, because the voting of those little countries that don't have any say or have a good team or anything, but they, it, it weighs so much. And if you pay that country a lot of money, you can, you know, sway all the votes uh, to yeah. vote way and usually the united states was not was also also became u.s soccer became pretty corrupt involved in in a lot of those uh uh things where i don't think we don't we don't really think about like major league baseball and the nfl as being that corrupt although maybe in the post-truth era with uh conspiracy theories we think the nfl is you know rigged and scripted and stuff like that well there i mean they're technically a um what 
answer to Congress, right? So they can't do anything too crazy. Yeah. Because they're technically not for profits and they they have a monopoly like um you know, the NLB has monopoly or public information then too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's one of those yeah, I guess there's there's it's mostly domestic, so there's not as much international kind of yeah. uh intrigue that the like the IOC has or the well, there had been talk about the NFL shedding that not-for-profit status though so that they could hide salaries <laughs> like that may be actually why they wanted to or they would yeah. consider being in uh not you know losing that not-for-profit status I yeah i think yeah there's, there's they, they, they wouldn't answer to congress anymore and there, right? mm-hmm. yeah. there are governmental interests that are interested in it. also i think gambling interests are interested in seeing how much things are made and so like there's there's that here that is a little bit different from some of the, I guess some, it seems like the domestic leagues in a lot of the countries are not as corrupt as the international conglomerations. Wow. Confederations are. Um, although I think there are also lots of, there were lots of problems like in, in Italian, like Italian soccer and things like that. But like, you don't think of the premier league as being as shady or something as maybe, yeah. But also might just be English-speaking business and government culture compared to non-English. Are most of the owners of the Premier League teams now like all the Russian billionaires? Although some of them were, but they had to sell a lot of them had to sell their oh yeah uh, teams because of the invasion. And Americans own a lot of the Premier League. Uh, oh, I thought it was mostly yeah. like um, oil money that there is that too but like uh, i think own own like half the premier league teams is that not yeah yeah um russian and and uh middle eastern financial interests right are they controlling a lot of the premier yeah but the united states owns so the premier league i'm just looking at right now um stan Kroenke, the owner of the rams owns arsenal yeah uh aston villa is Owned by Egyptian and American together. Okay. Bournemouth is American. Brentford is uh, British. There's a lot of weird teams in the Premier League now this year. Uh, Brighton is British ownership. Burnley is an American major owner group. Chelsea is American. So like it was uh, Abramovich or somebody that was was chose a Russian guy who owned Chelsea, but then now it's Americans who own Chelsea. So. Oh. Um, Everton is owned by a British slash Iranian guy. Uh, Shahid Khan, who owns the Jacksonville Jaguars, who is Pakistani-American, owns Fulham. Liverpool's owned by Americans now. Um, Manchester City is mostly owned by Abu Dhabi. Uh, but, but some of them, the Glazers, the uh, Tampa Bay owners, they own Manchester United. So, like, it seems like I didn't know. I didn't I Americans, that, yeah. Americans own more Premier League teams than anyone right now. Really? That's yeah. I, yeah, I didn't know. I did not know that. Americans and British, it looks like primarily, but there's yeah, there's a lot of outside ownership. Like it's not quite like, um, yeah, it seems like there's a lot of U.S. involvement in. Even down to the lower leagues, but it's more it's more British the far the the, the English and uh, Welsh the farther down you go. But in sure. Premier League, it looks like 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine, at least nine out of the 20 um, Premier League teams are owned uh, majority by Americans. So almost half. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Hmm. Yeah. I think that has changed a little bit uh, because with, with the uh, invasion. I don't think uh, I don't think there are as many Russian oligarchs in in international soccer, at least not in British soccer anymore. No. But, uh, back to the, I guess back to the women's World Cup chances. It seems like I don't know. Um, they aren't as good this year. The world is caught up. Um, do you, what 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 odds do you think? You think the you think the uh, the chances are better that the United States loses to Sweden in the round of sixteen? Sweden won their group. The USA finished second in theirs. Mm -hmm. You think the odds are better that the USA wins the whole thing or loses to Sweden in the round of sixteen? I mean, based on the most recent performance and like just what you just said, it seems like the more the more likely scenario is that they're that they're out, but. You don't have to win your group to win the World Cup, right? So uh, you just have to use it to make it into the round of sixteen to have a chance. So, yeah, I, I think I will expect the worst, and then if the if the better thing happens, I'll be very happy. That that's what I I'd rather I'd rather do it that way. You know, think about it from the uh, the underwhelming side is the expectation, and then you know hope for the best, but expect the worst. Is that according to the FIFA rankings? USA is number one. Yes. Sweden is number three. Yeah. Uh, Germany is two. England four. France five. Six. Spain. Netherlands is nine. And Portugal is twenty-one. So in, in this, oh, Vietnam was thirty-two. So Vietnam was yeah. a little higher, maybe, than I thought they would be. Thailand is forty-four. It's actually not that much, but um. But so in this particular game, though, the, you know, U.S. has a higher ranking, lower ranking, higher ranking, or ordinarily higher. They have a better ranking, right there. So yeah. they would be expected to win by ranking, but by seeding, they're much lower, right? As they did not win their group, Sweden did win their group. So Sweden should be actually favored by performance in this immediate tournament, right? I think I I don't uh yeah so if the USA wins uh against Sweden they'll play the winner of Japan and Norway and then they would play the probably the Netherlands or Spain after that and England probably and is in the other bracket um Yeah, I, I, I think, I think I, I saw somewhere that um, the USA still as a, as a they they gave the USA a twenty four percent chance to win the whole thing, um, according to odds. I think that was the highest still of any team. Um, I think England or somebody was twenty percent, or Spain maybe was twenty percent. Yeah, um, to win. So, um, well, if it's just random odds, that would be. Much less than twenty percent. 
<laughs> okay, so right now the, the current odds, Women's World Cup winners, USA is plus 350. Spain plus 450, England plus 450, Japan plus 800, Germany plus 800. Sweden is plus 2,500, but that's probably largely based on... Having to face the U.S.? Having to face the United States, yeah. Would you take the USA plus 350 right now? No. Um, I don't I don't know who I would take, yeah. but I don't think the USA has been very good, especially with Lavelle out. Uh, the next game, I think she's their best player, but she's also been hurt, and... I don't know. I mean, I think Rapino is a little old. I don't think their 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 score their finishing has been really bad. So they don't score goals. Their defense has been really good, but all you have to do is allow one goal and they're gone. So yeah, and that's gonna. And then I think I think I guess you can you can score one fluke goal too. But it seems like the USA is not scoring fluke goals. They're only um, allowing perhaps fluke goals to score. So. I think when you rest when you rest on your defense, that's a in any sport, it's it, it's iffy, and it's so a, I I, I like at best, right? Yeah, I like I like I I don't think defense wins championships. I've never been one of those people. I think it's offense wins championships, and you have to have a defense that is good enough. Yeah. Um, and that's how the USA has been good. They've scored goals, and. And I guess you don't really need to score goals in the in like yeah, as like men's World Cup has shown, like you can get a lot of zero zero ties and then win penalty kick shootouts to advance. Mm-hmm. But I say it's probably more likely that the USA loses to Sweden than wins the World Cup. I don't think the USA is out of it, but I'm gonna I I don't think the USA wins. You think you think if the uh, US wins the next game, if they will then roll from there is this is this like a game that like uh you know gives them that spark or do you think they weren't trying so hard before and now maybe they just they're yeah. gonna wake up or is it uh is this just this is just the level that they're gonna perform I, for, the, for this tournament i think it depends on how they win if they win five nothing against sweden i'll say oh they woke up and they're gonna they could roll but if they yeah. just if they eke out a penalty kick shootout or one nothing when I don't think that shows a lot. So I don't think there's so I would say if if you know they they I would say for me to like at least change my mind about how they're how well they're doing, they would need to dominate. They haven't they haven't had a really good game yet. So you know sometimes teams like Italy in the past men's teams like they barely make it out of the group stage, but then they you know play well in the uh knockout rounds and and, and win the World Cup. Even yeah. though they aren't like the best team, but I guess that's some, in that way sometimes having a good defense can um, help you. But I think I still think that you need to score goals. But maybe players. maybe they're in this um, mindset where they just they know that the they're you know ranked number one in FIFA, but maybe they just want to like uh, feel like they're the underdog, so they're having to accomplish more. It's hard for a number one overall to be an underdog, though. Right, but and they maybe they have just created the scenario where now they are an underdog. Is that a possibility? I suppose, <laughs> um, maybe. I think that's a lot of uh, that's not uh, at all what I, I thought you were just gonna say. No, that's I don't think it is, but I, I think it's fanciful. <laughs> but I guess anything is possible. Um, the USA apparently was plus 250 originally to win, now they're plus 350. It's not um, that far off, 
I mean, Spain the, has gone from plus 350 to plus 450. England has gone down from plus 500 to plus 450. Japan has really made a big leap. They were plus 3,300 to plus 800. I think because Japan, um, they beat, it was Germany. They won four nothing against Germany hmm. or somebody like some one of the one of the European powers. Um, I haven't really followed last, that. Japan was the last non-U.S. winner mm-hmm. though. Is that, is that yeah? Right. As a yeah, um, uh, twelve years ago. Twelve years ago, yeah. So that wouldn't be crazy, but also that's you know the same sort of you know it's just like two teams win the last five. Yeah, well, Japan, I guess, also was kind of a out of nowhere team to win. Not out of nowhere, but like an unexpected. The USA was heavily favored to win that mm-hmm. World Cup, probably more heavily favored to win in 20, uh, 2009 or 2011, excuse me, 2011, than it was either of the last two times they actually won, I think. They were a better, I think that was their best team. Um, yeah. I mean, that was still when, um, and that was when, yeah, the young Rapino and young Carly Lloyd and um, right. Abby Wambach was, you know, playing. And, you know, when they had, like, their better players. Um, but, that game is Sunday, early Sunday morning. Yeah. Are you are you setting your alarm or just staying up to watch that game, Mike? Probably not. Um, I will probably be at MJ's house, so I probably won't uh, watch it at three in the morning. But I will be following it somewhat. Maybe if they maybe if they make it's I don't I don't know I I'm old I don't wake up or stay up that late anymore. That'll Are you going to watch it? First thing, when you reach for your phone, when you wake up, what did the U.S. do? In my, I don't know. I, I, I check ESPN a lot, so I, I would probably just do that. I, I kind of out of habit, and then I would see what happened. Although lately, I'll, 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 oh, I forgot. And then you like it just pops up as a headline, and then you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, all day today, though, if I looked at ESPN, it was like women's basket. It was the WNBA that was like the – uh, they're really trying to uh, really publicize the WNBA, yeah. Um, which I understand maybe uh, why, but I don't know if that's really um, where they, you know, that if that really brings in a lot of uh, revenue. I think I think it's social reasons and maybe to do that, but I, I don't I don't know if it's a really good business model just to uh, promote the WNBA. Have, well, I think they have a vested interest to like increase the profile of the league. Yeah, but, but I mean, every league has needed external factors to become successful, though, right? So, if it's going to become a mainstream league, then you know, somebody like ESPN has to be behind it. So, that, right? Yeah, I suppose. But uh, you also though think that maybe it begins with, um you know, attendance at the games rather than followers on TV first. At least that's where most things have been. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't think it really matters. I think they're just trying to like um you know play off of like the um NCAA win women's tournament was really intensely watched, I think, across the country this last season. And you know, if you want to uh roll uh, you know, viewers from 
the players that they saw and liked in the, you know, college tournament, you know, now they're in the WNBA. So, uh, well, you know, what you, you're trying to like play off of whatever. You are. Caitlin Clark is like the biggest, the biggest stars are, yeah. are, are, are not probably. They were already in the league. Right. So, yeah. I, I guess you know, if, they, if they got new viewers from like the women's um, NCAA tournament, some of those people might become WNBA fans uh, if they're marketed to correctly, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I suppose, that's what the yeah. goal of this is anyway. But it looks like I'm just looking at attendance. Uh, the the Las Vegas Aces, Phoenix Mercury, Seattle Storm, they all average close to not, around nine thousand people per game, which is not bad. Uh, the lowest is the Atlanta Dream right now, three thousand uh, uh, per game. Um, but you could say, well, I, I I don't know. It's like it's, it would maybe I would say it's like the uh, ESPN promoting MLS above mm-hmm. anything else, even though I would say it's not as popular as a lot of other sports that are currently going on right now. Maybe it's maybe because there is a because they do broadcast. Like one of the reasons why hockey was not promoted very much by ESPN for a while is because ESPN did not broadcast hockey for several years. Yeah, uh, baseball they don't broadcast that much either. So I, it's it's it's, well, it's not like they're objective. NHL was like broadcast on some like sport on uh some like outdoor channel or something, wasn't it for the Outdoor Life Network? Yeah, which became Versus or something. Yeah. Uh, but now it's on like Fox Sports or yeah. or became TNT, and now I think there is NBC NBC coverage NBC Sports. So like, I think. Also, that is like we we think of ESPN someone as a, an objective news source, but really they are a broadcasting system that promotes its yeah. own thing. So, I guess that's why. But I I don't I don't know how much people follow the WNBA regular season. Um, is my I don't know. No. Uh, I guess also people don't follow Major League Baseball that much, maybe other than their own teams. Right. So, maybe, you know, I'm sure they have some reason. Only televises a couple of games a week, right? Too for mm-hmm. maybe only one game a week for baseball. ESPN Sunday night, yeah. I guess. They have. Baseball, Sunday night baseball. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah. they're not broadcasting like three games every day. Even in the you know in the playoffs, I don't think they have any broadcast rights, right? So like, they they cover baseball as a major sport. I don't know. Even though they don't have like you know mm-hmm. full rights to to it, I think. But but like you know, ESPN like the shows weren't they you know they can't even like show some of the soccer highlights from the Women's World Cup because I don't think they have. Yeah, it's Fox that rights to the footage the for the replays, even which is pretty surprising. So yeah, it's because FIFA controls it. Olympics were like that too because it's controlled by some corrupt by a corrupt. Uh, international yeah. organization rather than like, like it would be like if the NFL wouldn't allow highlights to be disseminated from games. It's 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 outdated and strange. Like or like yeah. old boxing matches were like that when they were aired like on HBO or Showtime. You'd only show like still photos yeah. of right you know, Mike Tyson getting knocked out by Buster Douglas or something, and that yeah, like the, sta- the standing games. over the the downed opponent, right? Yeah, it's it's those kinds of shots. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It's, I, yeah. I don't, I don't really care for that kind of uh, coverage or 
the idea that oh we should these these major news events shouldn't be shown because they're technically owned by one network right. or one network has per, only one network has basically usually it's only one network has permission from whatever authority supposedly runs the sport um and usually an authority that is really only there because it got there first and it's nobody would use it if there was a you know there what you know i it's a, it just seems really strange that that FIFA is still a thing, and these or, these international organizations are still a thing, uh, when yeah, you know other places do it a lot better, or they or they've already been identified as being extremely corrupt and yeah, and uh, you know people have been fired and jailed in some cases, but they still continue to be corrupt and still exist. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of uh, completely incorrupt, yeah, the incorruptible uh, <laughs> National Football League. Uh, speaking, <laughs> uh, speaking of yes, I was thinking of speaking of Sunday. Uh, we only have a couple. You know, only have a few more Sundays to wait uh, until actual. You know, I think on Thursday of this week, isn't there a preseason? Oh, is this the, is this the Hall of Fame game or Hall of Fame game? I think. Man, that seems like it's too fast. Is it really? Is the first preseason game like next week then? Yeah, it is August 3rd. So it is actually going to air before we air. It's tomorrow. No, wait. No, it's the day we air. It's Thursday. Yeah, because it's now it's it's uh, very, very early on Wednesday morning for me. Yes. Um, Yeah. So, yes, our, our episode will air a few hours before. The Hall of Fame. Game. The Hall of Fame. Game. Yes. Between the Jets and the Browns, do you who do who do you think is going to win the uh, Hall of Fame game? Preseason football, pre preseason football. Uh, well, I assume the Jets are going to play four quarters of Aaron Rodgers, and uh, yeah, and they will still lose <laughs> ten to. Is nine. this the, well, that's is this the matchup? Is this the matchup of the two least likable starting <laughs> quarterbacks? Probably <laughs> the NFL. John Watson and yes, probably. Well, but speaking of Aaron Rodgers, though, did you did you see his um, contract news this week? He's he's t- he's taking a, a large pay cut, or at least deferring a lot of his money until next year. I guess maybe to truly cripple the Jets in future seasons, if only maybe to make them slightly better this year to allow the signing perhaps of Dalvin cook or somebody else. I don't know. It seems like adding another running back to a team that already has good running backs in Brees hall and maybe other, I think there's a, uh, uh, they have some other uh, talented yeah, they, uh, yeah, they have another player too. that was pretty good too. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe not. So let's see. They Brees Hall, no Michael Carter. He's okay. They don't really have. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's not. Maybe so. Maybe well, Brees Hall is has been injured. So maybe you think Dalvin Cook. But you think if if the Jets were really worried about their running back room, they would have signed somebody already to yeah. bring in. Like they could have signed Ezekiel Elliott. They could have had um a number of of uh, decent options. They could have 
you know, just Jonathan Taylor is perhaps on the trading block because of things like, I don't know. I don't, it seems like we're having a running back is not really that important anymore in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, especially at least paying for a running back is not very important. Uh, you can see what happened with, you know, the chiefs who have basically had league minimum salary guys as their starting running backs and winning two Super Bowls. Uh, mm. I think you mentioned before we went on the air, the Denver Broncos kind of show that you can put, you have a good line, offensive line, you can kind of put anybody back there. And, you know, Terrell Davis or, you know, any of his replacements or, um, you know, to have a, a, the Chiefs kind of did that too when they had the good line. When If Priest Holmes went down, Larry Johnson could run for 1,800 yards or yeah. Mike Cloud could rush for five touchdowns in a game or something like that. Okay. It was, it didn't, it didn't really, um, didn't really matter. Um, so, and it's a plug. And unfortunately for running backs, like it's they get used up very, very early, and they get paid very little compared to some of their peers mm-hmm. in terms of how much they're used. So, um, it's a and it's it seems like there's, there's a market weakness for you know we are, we don't want um, we want very very cheap players or really big stars and like if you're in the middle of veteran that's pretty good but costs more than a um, a you know rookie contract person might be out of a job, so it's I don't I don't I don't. So what do you do? You think Jet? Do you think, do you think the Jets will sign Dalvin Cook? Do you think they will be a good team? I mean, they're going to sign somebody pretty big because they, uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have deferred that much salary for for nothing, right? And I think they're under the cap already, from what I remember. So that looks so, like they're trying to do something quite large. Because that was like yeah. close to fifty I, million that's getting deferred, right? I've heard that Devontae Adams might be the target as well. Yeah, reuniting basically every Green Bay Packers receiver from the last two or three years: Randall Cobb, um, Alan Lazard, Devontae Adams, plus Nicole Hardman. <laughs> Other yeah. than Marquez Valdez Scantling, who is on the Chiefs, uh, all of the, um, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I guess that will help, but you would also think, well, maybe why didn't Aaron Rodgers decide to take this pay cut when they could have signed Dondre Hopkins or mm-hmm. Odell Beckham or somebody that was on the market but earlier? He hadn't done that pay cut yet though. So maybe. Yeah. Why, yeah. But why didn't he do it earlier so they could get somebody into camp to like yeah. actually practice rather than like, Oh, by the third preseason game, we'll get somebody in. It's, it seems like it's Aaron Rodgers trying to uh, make himself look good, but not really necessarily helping. Um, but he's still deferring it though, so that's our that's already you know signed, I guess, right? So yeah, so I don't. Yeah, it's going to cripple the Jets at some point, I guess. Yeah, really going well, in next for season, right? Because he only yeah. has a two-year deal, so it has the only place it can defer it. It's the next year, right? I don't even know he's going to play next year. He might just decide. <laughs> well, I like one year. I'm I'm done. It's it's yeah. I don't know. I yeah. I I, I still yeah. This 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 Hall of Fame game, yeah, between Deshaun Watson and you didn't like my prediction though of uh, Aaron Rodgers playing all four quarters and then then the team still losing ten to nine as the final score. <laughs> I would actually love that. I would actually, you know, I don't want to see anybody get hurt, but like, um, if I could, if I could see two players in the league get get injured, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. It would be Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers, probably. Um, so, so like, your your disappointing scenario is that they can't be injured on the same at the same time. 
Is that really what it is? <laughs> it would be funny if they somehow collided, collided with each other on the sidelines and because they would still make like zillions of dollars right. and like harm their franchises irreparably, probably, at least for the next several years, uh, because of their huge contracts and their just like general kind of awfulness. Um so I I, I don't really I don't root the, the I it's like I don't like Mac Jones, but I I don't think he's as like I don't I think he's not necessarily an um, awful human being in the ways that I think maybe Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun are, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, so I don't know. He's, they're, <laughs> they're, yeah. Uh, so that's like yeah. I guess they're, they're do you know do you know why the Jets and Browns were assigned the Hall of Fame game? No idea. It's because. Um, of I think Darrell Rivas and Joe Thomas. Uh, it's a Brown and a it's a Brown and a Jet making it into uh, the Hall of Fame. Oh. Yeah, I think it's Joe. So that's why uh, Joe Thomas is being inducted and Darrell Rivas. For the actual Hall of Fame induction that's happening. Yeah. That same yeah so usually they have. Yeah. So I guess the players who are making it are Rondé Barber. So it could have been Tampa, I guess. Zach Thomas, because it could have been uh, the Dolphins. Yeah. Um, or the Chiefs. Remember, he was a uh, chief during training camp before he retired. Darrell Rivas also has ties uh, to the Chiefs. He played his last season. I think, or one of his last seasons in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Marcus yeah. Ware. This is, this is, I think, a very lackluster, uh, a very lackluster Hall of Fame class um, in terms of the players. I don't, I. Oh, yeah. So it's Don Coriel, who was, I guess, an innovator offensively. Um, but Chuck Howley, Joe Klecko, who was kind of adequate. Uh, um, he played for the Jets, but he was not a. I don't think of him as being a great player. Um, he's part. He was like around around like Mark Gastineau. He was only a. He was a four-time Pro Bowler. He led the league in sacks one year. Two-time All-Pro, but like, it just it just seems like I don't know. Demarcus Ware was decent. Like none of these guys are like big stars but i don't know baseball kind of limits their hall of famers to like well we're not going to elect anybody this year or we're not gonna, but like football it seems like they're this is like a year that like there aren't that many good good options and then yeah. maybe in coming years like there's going to be huge like they didn't like elect any of like the wide receiver backlog that they could have like mm. i think um uh is Reggie, is Reggie Wayne in the Hall of Fame or is uh, um, yeah, Dwight Freeney was not elected. I think of him as being probably better than DeMarcus Ware. I don't know. He won a championship probably. I don't know. Do you, um, 
better than Joe Klecko, certainly, I think. Um, it's, it was just a weird, it's a weird year, I think. Uh, Joe Thomas was a good lineman, but he played for a lot of terrible teams. And it's hard to say how good they were. Um, yeah. I think Tory Holt also is, is kind of on the edge and hasn't made it uh, as a wide receiver. I think of him as being a, I don't know. I think of this Revis, I think is the, probably the best of the class that at least the former players, but yeah. I don't know. This was, it seems like a lackluster. Uh, that's club. Rondé Barber, not Tiki Barber, though, right? Rondé, yeah. Um, I guess Rondé was better, but like, is I don't know, he wasn't. Is Tiki Barber in the Hall of Fame? I don't think so. Uh, no, he is perhaps in the Hall of Fame for the brightest smile of any uh, uh, <laughs> NFL player. I don't know if Rondé's uh, teeth were as unnaturally bright as uh tiki's were but uh um uh, are they they twins or just brothers i think they were twins which Um, means twins then right what'd you say that's which means they're they're still twins then right I, just, I was just yeah, like, they still twins. Yeah. I guess they were twins and they are still twins. Yeah. Yeah. Rondi <laughs> put cornerback. Yes. Tiki was born seven minutes after Rondi. So Rondi is the older brother. Presuming um, they were switched in even number of times. Right? Yes. I haven't seen Rondi. Rondi's got pretty, his teeth are pretty white, but they aren't as dazzlingly like mm. you know uh, subway tile you know uh bright uh chiclet kind of white as mm. as uh tiki uh barbers uh are. So, automatically assume that that was unnatural though that's i do i do i do assume it's, it's because people who age and eat things like you know my teeth are you know yellowish probably because i've i i, I brush them but like I don't, you know, scrub them with, uh, you know, polish uh, or have, you know, veneers or things put on them to make them unnaturally. Like they aren't whiter. They aren't like six shades whiter than my eyes, for instance. You know, like it's, it's, <laughs> it's that's, I think that's, I think that's what it is. Um, but, you know, Americans are very uh, tooth. Uh, teeth are very important for uh, American appearances compared to the rest of the world. Um I don't think we. I don't think I have bad teeth. I don't think you have bad teeth here. But like, according to TV people, like you know, it's not like the, mm. you know, the right electric. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any other NFL news from this week? Well, we have um, some injuries. Uh, you know, maybe the best cornerback in the league since Darrell Revis. Um, has been uh, you know, he tore his um meniscus uh for uh the Dolphins out till December. Yeah, yeah Jalen Ramsey uh did uh, uh Jalen Ramsey too, right? They just yeah, they just they just got Jalen Ramsey to, to pair with Xavier Howard, um, in in like, maybe make the two best cornerbacks 
in mm-hmm. the league. I and it's one of those things where I think the Dolphins were probably a better team than the Jets were, even with Rodgers added. So that's one reason I was kind of bearish on the the Jets' um, chances. I'm and so like yeah, the uh, Jalen Ramsey's injury. He has maybe the same injury as Chiefs uh, receiver Kadarius Tony, who also hurt his meniscus, and maybe is going to be out until several weeks for several weeks uh it seems like uh, ramsey's not gonna be back until like december or something like yeah. that so that's a big loss for them does tony uh, having surgery then too or is he yeah, tony had surgery it was it, okay. he got conflicting reports and some people said it was to clean up some people said it was to, re- to like repair something he hurt in practice you know tony is a very kind of at least he's seen as a brittle player and he's injury prone and maybe he's mm-hmm. a young Sammy Watkins or something in terms of his um, injury his uh, status, but I think he's already paid dividends for winning, basically helping to win the Super Bowl for the Chiefs. So I think at this point, like Watkins, like he is, you know, he he has met all the Chiefs' expectations uh, and whatever we get from him now is kind of gravy. But yeah, there's been injuries. Joe Burrow perhaps also is uh, maybe out for a little while with a calf strain. Um it seems like maybe oh, not no. as bad as practice, right? Get carted off of practice. Josh Josh Allen had to miss a little bit of practice recently. Um, the Broncos uh, uh, lost Tim Patrick for the second straight year uh, to a he lost he had an ACL tear last year, Achilles tendon tear this year. So there's been a lot of injuries early on, but I think that seems like it's par for the course. That's what happens. Yeah, and, somebody fairly uh, major goes down every year and. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I I'm not a big. We can just talk about injuries, but like I don't, it's not. There's that's that's what there's been. I guess. And there's uh, probably the most interesting thing though, um, has been uh, Sean Payton mentioning how bad the Broncos were last year with mm-hmm. their former head coach, now Jets offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, um, leaving. Uh, what did you think of the John Payton comments about Nathaniel Hackett. I, I I found the I found it amusing that a current coach would say something about, you know, claiming something is the worst coaching job in the history of the league, uh, from a guy that's like still in the league. Which <laughs> is, uh, it's a little surprising to like you know hear somebody badmouth someone else that's still in the coaching ranks. Uh, you know, not a head coach, but you know. Yeah. It's demoted only one rung, essentially, is what you know what ended up happening with Hackett. So I know I know uh you were not a Hackett fan and uh No, I think I think I thought the comments amusing or or did you think I do I think I think they're accurate. I don't coach talks about another coach. Well, I think they were accurate. I don't think actually they were well, I don't think they're right. I don't I don't think it was quite right because because uh, Urban Meyer was also coached recently. So I think Urban Meyer's uh, time in Jacksonville, not necessarily from an X's and O's perspective, which maybe Hackett wasn't very good at, but like just from a general management issue was worse because he got fired like earlier. He kicked people. Apparently he, you know, he had other personal issues and he was just generally, generally awful. Well, like uh, the first couple things he did was like bring in a coach that had been, um, talked about 
very domestic abuse zone player yeah. from Iowa, right? And then uh, you know, brought in a, a guy that was supposed to be well, they brought Tebow in, right? And mm-hmm. and uh, but to play like a different position, and that like I know annoyed a lot of players and analysts, uh, you know, to bring in somebody and I think he got paid a fair amount for like doing nothing then too. And it was just like it was a it was a complete circus yeah. from the moment he was signed. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Hackett was just out of his depth. And I think well, the only reason the Broncos brought in Hackett was because they thought they were gonna get Aaron Rodgers. Hmm. And then Rodgers ended up re-signing with Green Bay and the they decided, well, well, we'll make a big splash and we'll pay a bunch for Russell Wilson. And um, Hackett was not cut out to be a head coach. He was just he was just there as 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 Rogers' um, bait. I don't think Hackett is even a very good offensive coordinator. I think that's one reason also that the Jets are not going to be very good is because Hackett has not shown anywhere that he's been a great offensive mind. You know his you know even his pedigree. Paul Hackett was a terrible offensive coordinator for many years for many teams. Uh, I remember him for the Chiefs. The Chiefs couldn't score any points with Marty Schottenheimer and Paul Hackett. Uh, it was a pedestrian kind of boring offense. That's what the that's what the uh, Packers have had under Matt Lafleur and um, and with Nathaniel Hackett and even when he was the offensive coordinator, you know the they they who he was he was not like recommended highly by Aaron Rodgers for any reason other than the fact that he was a cool guy to hang out with. And right. it seemed like maybe Rodgers was just trying to say something nice about Hackett, not necessarily saying like, Oh, he sucks, but well, what can I say good about him? Um, so maybe he's fun to hang out with. So then they like, Oh, we'll hire him for that. Like, so like, I don't, that's one reason. Another reason I think the jets are not going to be very good. So I, I predict the jets to disappoint, maybe as much or more than the Mets. Uh, and I, I think, um, yeah, so I, I, I yeah, I, so I kind of like Peyton, what Peyton said, although Peyton would also kind of insulted the, the front office staff by implying that they brought in this horrible hack. But I think he did probably win fans on his own team because he kind of says, well, this wasn't your guys' fault uh, this year. It wasn't. Russell Wilson's fault. It wasn't the players' fault. It was just incompetence that cost you uh, this past season. And so I think that I can think it can help win his own team. And like, who cares if like it fires the Jets up like for a week five matchup against the Broncos in Denver? Like, it doesn't matter. I, I, so I think uh, the, the statement was funny. I don't think there's really any real blowback to it. Um, so I, I, I kind of actually enjoyed it because I do think that Nathaniel Hackett is a hack and I don't think he should be a head coach or probably should be an offensive coordinator either. Yeah. Uh, so, but I guess maybe I'll be proved wrong, uh, with when the jets, uh, you know, score 40 points a game, uh, this year, but we'll see. Uh, so what happens if, um, the Broncos, you know, only win like four or five games this season, then, where where does the blame end up falling if if the Broncos disappoint? I think it's Russell Wilson at this point because I think it'll be two like he is the only common denominator now. He he'd be two years in and he maybe be seen as washed up and I think the yeah. way he left Seattle and Pete Carroll kicking him, you know, 
and then winning with Geno Smith just as well as he won with Russell. Like I think so. I think Seattle's sort of success without Wilson and also shows maybe that Wilson was not as key to their success as people thought he was. So like if Denver kind of stays like Peyton, like, you know, maybe you can say, well, Peyton, um, this is his first year. Maybe things aren't so good your first year. Or maybe you can all say, well, maybe Peyton is it was he was good because he had Drew Brees or something. But um I think you could question him, but he that still it's only one year for him. Um, yeah. and but it's, it would still be the is. same front office. So the personnel choices would still be made by somebody that isn't Sean Payton and is still there too, right? So he yeah, still, he can still blame the front office if they don't succeed, right? It's George Payton, right? Isn't he the uh, general general manager? Oh, P-A-T-O-N? I, I think it's George Payton who is the general manager of the Denver Broncos right now. So like it's two Paytons, George Payton, P-A-T-O-N, and Sean Payton, P-A-Y-T-O-N. And then they had Peyton Manning, P-E-Y-T-O-N. So they had three. Uh, three different uh, Paytons. They did not have George Patton, mm. P-A-T-T-O-N, or David Patton, the former uh, New England Patriots wide receiver. I believe he was P-A-T-T-E-N. Um, but um, they did have Tim Patrick, I guess, who got uh, or, um this past year. So it's I, I think it's... They're not going to read the novel "Cry the Beloved Country" by Oh Alan Payton. Yeah, very good. South African author. I think James Earl Jones was in the uh, the movie. Um, yeah. Um, you didn't know you were going to get a literary reference there, did you? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. We had yeah, we had uh, George. Yeah, we had uh, George Payton, George Patton, Peyton Manning, Payton, Sean Payton, um, Payton Place, the TV show. Oh, um, right. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's going to get a patent uh, for their uh, work in uh, the NFL. You got I mean, your your company has received two patents recently, or patents sometimes, as the, the British. British would say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Patents. They will be patently offensive, perhaps, or, def- or uh, this. I don't know. We, we can make all these puns, but I, yeah, I, I still think that uh, Russell Wilson will be playing. Because this is his second year, and it seems like maybe he will fall back. And, and like trading for him, cripple. I guess you could say it's, it's George Payton as well, because they traded, they gave away so much to, and paid so much for uh, Russell Wilson. And I, I would say he's on a short, the, the general manager and the quarterback are on a shorter leash than Sean Payton. Um, yeah. Oh, for sure. But the expectations are going to be high. So, because they, you know, brought in a premier coach to to take over the team. So, you know, the expectation, I think, is going to be higher there than, say, like in, in uh, you know, like with the Texans, I guess, right? So they they have, they had a lot of draft capital and, uh, you know, also a new coach, but mm. not a premier, you know, you know, the like the the biggest coach's name out there was not the guy they signed, right? So no, yeah, he was because he, he went to Denver, right? So yeah, so like, and he, you know, if you know, Houston does okay, that will still be fine, right? From like the outsiders' 
eyes or even like the insiders expectations right but yeah they have a new quarterback they have you know they were not good at all last year so like it, it's it's all you can only go up really i think yeah uh, in but Houston. Denver, you know had a terrible year last year they're they have you know fired their coach they got a new coach right and i still think that you know if the, their expectations are going to be very high but they're unlikely to meet those expectations though because there are still really good teams in that division so yeah I mean, even if you make up ground if you pick up a game or two like you're still not going to make the playoffs but where Houston, you know, they could move up. They could win three or four more games than they won last year, and that'll be, you know, a huge improvement, right? Yeah, yeah. If Houston goes five and twelve or something like that, even it would still be an improvement. And CJ Stroud, if he looks decent, I think even if he's because especially because he was the second quarterback taken rather than you know it was Bryce Young taken first. Um, you know, it will if he if he does reasonably well. Because it was, it seemed like it was a difficult choice who you're going to take as the quarterback mm-hmm. uh, for uh, the Texans because so many people thought Anthony Richardson was the um, one of the most upside. A lot of people thought that Will Levis might be the one that the Texans were going to pick. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess you know you could say, well, maybe if all three of those other quarterbacks do well and um, Stroud doesn't, that could be a problem, but. I, yeah, I I think I think the Texans are like there's no place to go but up, mm-hmm. and nobody's expecting that much right now. I think that's where it's really important though, is the uh, the expectation is also low. So any any yeah. kind of success is going to be viewed as very positive. Yeah. Denver is a little bit like the Cowboys. Like you expect, even though it might not be really rational. You ex they, the, the the ownership and the fans and the they expect them to be very good. They're seen as this kind of premier mm. type of franchise that needs to be really good. And if they aren't, um, it's you know, heads will roll. I think, and it's. But so they, I, yeah, they, I, in reality, they they could still finish last in the division, but still improve though in some way, right? Because they don't have they lack as the head coach anymore. Yeah, they you know they they have somebody who they have somebody who doesn't need like an extra coach to call the timeouts for them or doesn't need the extra coach to like tell them how what the score is you know like it was like he had the like sideline guys like help him like oh this is when we need to call a timeout or this is when we need to do like it was he was just in over his depth I think he had probably never been on the sidelines he's probably only been like up in the booth uh, calling plays or maybe not even calling plays because Matt Lafleur was the offensive court. Like, you know, it's one of those things where why was this guy hired before Eric Bieniemy was hired as a head coach, and he still hasn't been hired as a head coach. Uh, he had to go to like Washington to be another offensive coordinator, and Nathaniel Hackett only falls downward to be a, the offensive coordinator at the Jets because well, he's going to lure an air. Like it, it's just one of those things where like nepotism and you know being not black has really helped packet uh continue his career even though he's had no success that i know of like on his own or like it just does it just makes it just mind-boggling i i thought i think you you had thought that um the josh mcdaniels hire was worse than nathaniel hackett i thought nathaniel hackett was worse um yeah. it turns out both of them were pretty bad they were the two worst hires um probably of last year but yeah there's 
nothing that has um like yeah so if you look at the fact nathaniel hackett's career history he was the offensive coordinator for the buffalo bills in 2013 and 2014 um and the bills in 2013 finished six and ten in 2014 i don't think they did much better um and then he became. They were nine and seven. Oh, they were they had a winning. They had a winning uh, record uh, that year with Doug Marone. Um, but they didn't have a. Um, but Doug Marone was also an offensive uh, minded coach uh, at that point. So he, he was an he was an offensive coordinator for an offensive coach, and then he was. Um, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator, I think probably under Doug Marone for some of that again. Yeah. Um, and Jacksonville, I don't know, had one maybe sort of decent year when they made the AFC championship, but it wasn't because they had like a high powered, great offense. I didn't think, but that was with uh, like Bortles. And then he became the offensive coordinator under the Packers. And so he's been offensive coordinator like for, this is his fourth team that he's been the offensive coordinator for. He's younger than we are. Mm -hmm. And he's had basically no success as the offensive coordinator, at least not on his, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I just don't get it. It just doesn't make any sense to me other than the fact that he's Paul Hackett's son. Yeah. And like, like, like I, like we said, he's not even like this. It's not like he's Babe Ruth's, son as the manager so he's right he's, he is the son of a not very good coach and it's just i don't know it just doesn't make any sense to um like like he hasn't yeah i don't he like how does lane kiffin keep getting jobs <laughs> i guess monty kiffin was seen as a good coach the father right yeah Um, he was, but he was a defensive coordinator. Lane Kiffin was an offensive guy. At least they did something a little bit different, maybe, than each other. Lane is Kiffin, that, I think, was seen as kind of innovative. Yeah, Monty Kiffin is considered to be one of the greatest defensive coordinators in NFL history, it says on this Wikipedia article. The father of the Tampa 2, uh, uh, defense. Paul Hackett just kind of ran the West Coast offense into the ground, like it's yeah. so like he he devolved the West Coast offense from like the height of Bill Walsh and uh, you know people like you know Mike Holmgren and and, guy, and Andy Reid who really developed it and did a lot of stuff with it, and Paul Hackett kind of turned it into crap, and then now we then then Nathaniel Hackett does the same thing and. He's gonna get from. I I just yeah I I just really I don't know he's he's uh, so I I maybe I'll be wrong maybe 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 he'll be a great coordinator with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets will score forty points a game but that's that's my soapbox <laughs> that I'm gonna stay on. Um, do we have any other uh, comments or I, I feel like this has just been a rant against uh, Nathaniel Hackett and the Jets uh, today. 
but and, and Royals management, and... Royals management. I, yeah. Uh, oh, I guess. Oh, maybe maybe one thing before we go, we should we talk about Travis Kelsey and his uh, oh. fisticuffs uh, with uh, not one but two defensive fringe players on the Chiefs who are trying to make the roster: Jack Cochran and DiCaprio Boodle. Do you think there's anything to be said about those? fights that uh, Kelsey has been involved with or is uh, this just kind of much ado about nothing? I mean, I don't know. I, don't know. I just assume it's nothing, but it's it's kind of funny that he's in, involved in, yeah, a second fight after, you know, one happens. It's a little surprising that he would get involved with something else, right? It seems yeah. Okay. But who knows? Jack Cochran seems to be to, to me to be either the next Ben Neiman or the next Daniel Sorensen of uh, the <laughs> Chiefs. So I would say the le- less he plays, the better the Chiefs will be. Mm. We brought in Drew Tranquil as the kind of fourth linebacker. Right. Or, so like it seems like he shouldn't see the field other than special teams, Cochran. And he tried to punch the ball out of uh, – Kelsey's hands after Kelsey made a catch in the end zone practice like it seemed like kind of a douchey move that he made and then uh, (laughs) Kelsey kind of maybe went over the top but yeah but we didn't see what happened like earlier maybe he had been doing it all practice or something and there's a reason and Boodle may have done I don't know what Boodle did but um, I didn't see that one I just kind of heard about that I don't know I I saw something like it was like carrying on after the play was stopped or something and yeah I think it's good maybe to see that Kelsey is fired up in the preseason. And yeah. this maybe shows that he's not necessarily going to just kind of rest on his laurels and and be happy. So maybe that's a good thing. Um, we just don't want to see him mixing it up with his own teammates, though. <laughs> well, at least, well, he's not, yeah, you don't want to see him mixing up with the other def- defense in the actual game if they do that to him. So you might want to make, you know, control the temper but Kelsey has had a few kind of hot-headed incidents didn't he yes. throw a penalty flag into the stands one time um early in his career I think that it was a yeah. bad call but he got yeah. mad and he yeah um but I don't it's fun I think it's it, it's you know the defense and the offense they don't have to really get along I think and yeah they don't have to really. They, they don't. Like, they're not the cohesive unit. So maybe it builds unity between the offense. If they don't necessarily like each other all the time, it's okay. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and and we don't even as, know if, as long as nobody gets punched and nobody breaks a hand or a nose or something, right? That's yeah. That's the main thing, right? So yeah, scuffles in practice. I think they happen. It's just yeah. As long as they don't end in an injury. Especially Kelsey. <laughs> yes. Kelsey. Yeah. We don't know if Kit Boodle or I guess Nazi Johnson uh, towards ACL. So maybe Boodle is more likely to make the team now that Johnson yeah. is going to be out. But Cochran may, is a fringe kind of special teams player, like we like I said earlier. But so I, like, it's possible maybe that those incidents, though, maybe are the deciding factor that would keep them off the roster. If you say, well, you don't want just some jerk who makes Kelsey mad on the team you want guys that are yeah uh, you know more with the program or something like that but yeah you know it's hard to say i don't know if kelsey's really a big jerk or not but um i'm sure he's in some ways he's earned the right to be kind of like that since he's probably the 
you know, one of, if not the best tight end uh, in history. I think he, you know, mm. even though we'll say Tony Gonzalez, but Kelsey is miles better than Gonzalez ever was. I I think uh, Gonzalez had longevity and stuff like that. He, uh, yeah. But I don't think he was, he wasn't as good a route runner. He wasn't as good after the catch. I don't think he was sometimes good at going up and getting the ball and contested mm. traffic, but I think Kelsey's just as good. I, I think I think of Kelsey as being miles ahead of whatever. I never thought Gonzalez was as good as like people gave him credit for. I don't think he was as good as like Shannon Sharp or as good as um, Antonio Gates. The people kind of of his era. I just I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I'm just a little bitter because he left and wanted to be a Falcon rather than a Chief. But, right. And because he always seems very fake and phony when he's on the sidelines. Uh, Tony Gonzalez, a little bit like Tiki, a little bit like Tiki Barber. Um, he's, he's got that kind of smug, kind of smarmy. I don't know, Rick Fox, uh, Tony Gonzalez. Like he should be in a Radio Shack commercial, uh, yeah. chilling for something. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It's I, and I believe he was on the Cal basketball team that ousted Iowa State from a NCAA tournament. Actually, yeah. Mm. Even worse, and they always <laughs> talk about he was a great bat. bat like he didn't play; he wasn't that good at that. He was like on the team, but he like he played like six minutes a game. I think he wasn't that great, yeah. but he was. You know, again, it's hard to be an athlete in, in varsity sport and do things. But I don't know. I just never quite. I don't know. I I, I always thought of him as being kind of phony. It's like he was preparing for a like a career in broadcasting after. Uh, but he wasn't like genuinely likable, like Michael Strahan or something. Like he he seemed like phony to me, and, and I don't know why. Mm. It's just Donnie Edwards kind of had that quality to me too. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Just uh, certain certain of the, of the guys that seemed a little like I don't know. I like yeah. This is a version as a genuine guy. Huh? Yeah, he he struck me as a as like a pretty boy kind of. Like mm. or like the like 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 a like a kind of like Dwayne Johnson, but without quite all the charisma of of the Rock, um, like a like a, you know the sort of cut rate uh, Dwayne Johnson, yes. Walmart, yeah, the great great value Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's how we're going to refer to him on this show from here out. <laughs> Yeah, he was a better football player than Dwayne Johnson was, but because uh, Dwayne Johnson, I think he played for my University of Miami, but I don't think he played. He wasn't um, a star uh, for them. Right. Well, he was like, uh, was Warren Sapp in front of him? I think on that same team. So, yeah, yeah, Warren Sapp, um, Cortez Kennedy, I think. Yeah, uh, that Miami Dolphin, that that Miami Hurricanes defense of the '90s. Um, that was the team that, um, uh, '94, uh, Miami Hurricanes. Uh, they lost to Nebraska mm. in the first year in in the first of the uh, repeat Nebraska uh, national championships. '94, '95. The '95 team was even better than '94. But um, yeah, they had uh, some really good. I'm looking at the roster, yeah, that was Ray Lewis was on that team. Um, yeah, Dwayne Johnson was on that team. Um, Warren Sapp, yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, well, I think he played the same position as Warren Sapp, and then he was so he was actually Sapp was in front. I think I think, I think he got replaced yeah. by Warren Sapp. Yeah, I think Warren Sapp was a year younger. Uh um, and mm-hmm. May, May Cortez. Hmm. Well, Cortez Kennedy died. I didn't remember that. Hmm. Um. Oh yeah, Cortez Kennedy was a couple years earlier. He was another defensive lineman a few years earlier. Um, hmm. Did you know that Cortez Kennedy died? Hmm. In 2017? Nah, I don't know. Um, uh, heart failure. Hmm. And his brother Lincoln Kennedy. Is that his brother? No idea. What they related, Lincoln Kennedy versus I don't I don't anyway. We can we can I don't see that they're related. Okay. They're probably not then. But they played, didn't they both play for um the Seahawks? Kind of at the same. No, no. Lincoln Kennedy. I was the Raiders. Lincoln Kennedy played for the Raiders. So. Hmm. Anyway, we should probably wrap things up uh, <laughs> on that downer note. Oh, I hate Tony Gonzalez. Uh, let's talk about the death of Cortez Kennedy. Uh, and then, uh, one last topic, just real okay. fast though. Quick, just quick response. What do you think? Colorado University returning to the Big Twelve. Oh, I, I like it. I like it. Now there are thir- going to be. 13 teams after uh, uh, Oklahoma and Texas go to the SEC. I think yeah. maybe it's going to lead to Arizona probably going and perhaps maybe Arizona State and Utah. That would probably be a, a decent geographical. Um, and it's just, basically, it seems like it's the, it's the beginning of the end of the Pac-10, Pac-12, Pac-12, whatever number they're going to be. Um, I think it was dumb that UCLA and USC – I guess it wasn't dumb, but like it just seems like they don't aren't going to fit very well. Yeah, big turn. So, but that seems like it was the, the beginning of the end of that conference. They haven't been able yeah. to. Much. What do you think of Colorado reentering? The further pilfering of of the Pac-12. Yes, I think it's interesting that the Big Twelve was seen as like the weakest of those Power Five conferences, but now it's seems like it's maybe becoming one of the top three because the ACC might be losing some more teams to the Big Ten, and mm. maybe the Big Twelve will take more from the Pac-12. So, yeah. Who knows? Well, that's what I always thought it was weird that the the Big Twelve was seen as the one of the you know smaller versions or the weaker versions, but the Pac twelve has been not very good in any of the major sports most of the time. <laughs> so yeah. it like it seemed like that should be the one that gets cannibalized if it's going to if one of them is going to be cannibalized. So, um, yeah, but of the former Big Twelve schools that uh, you know had had left the conference, I think Colorado is the one that I was most okay with returning because i really would not want to see nebraska or missouri come back <laughs> yeah uh, i don't Oklahoma and texas i don't ever want to hear from again basically they cause so many problems in the conference texas especially what about a&m returning would that be a they no i don't want to see them anymore either no no i think so yeah of the of the schools yeah colorado was the one that was probably most okay 
to have come back to the Big 12. I know, I guess the Big 12 isn't actually like your, like, do you do you feel like that is like your, is that your conference you feel like that? Because I guess you grew up as a Missouri fan, right? I grew up, yeah, my parents are K-State people. Oh, that's right. Being, yeah. being from Kansas City, it seems like the Big 12 is the conference. Yeah. Even with Missouri leaving and the fact that I went to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I, I I like Arkansas, but I, I don't think of myself as an SEC person because right. culturally, I don't think of myself as a Southerner. I'm more of a Midwesterner, so um, I would say I identify with the Big Twelve more than the SEC as a whole. Maybe like I went to Penn State uh, for law school, so maybe Big Ten ish a little bit, but in Nebraska, my mom's from Nebraska, so maybe sort of, but I still, but of the teams that I followed, I followed the, I followed the old big eight and still the old, most yes. of the old, most of the old big eight is still in the big 12 other than Missouri. Or seem to be back in the big 12. Six, six out of the eight teams are going to be back in the big 12. So yeah. Or five, I guess Oklahoma's gone now. So it's going to be five. Yeah. Oklahoma five. Missouri or out. Five out of the eight. Right now, it's only four, but it will soon be back to more than half. Right? Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, so, so speaking of back, we are have been back after our my my short uh, hiatus from for taking the bar exam, uh, but we will also be back again next week with another exciting episode of the One Trick Power Hour. Hopefully, I think I think this one ran longer than maybe we had expected because we had thought, well, this is going to be a quick one. We'll just get a, we'll get the Major League Baseball and the Women's World Cup and the NFL out of the way quickly, but it devolved into rants from both of our sides, uh, discuss, discussing our our uh, disgust with certain players, certain teams, even t- people who have been long retired and shouldn't have earned any of our. Uh, ire, but um, still did somehow because it's late and we're tired and we're cranky. Um, but we hope that you will not be cranky when you hear uh, uh, this broadcast uh, today or when you listen in next week to another exciting, fun filled, and action packed edition of WT. And as always, I am Dr. Michael Orman. He is Dr. Andrew Scaff. We are the One Trick Power Hour. Please like and subscribe to our podcast slash YouTube channel. And we will see you again next time. we have anything else to add before we officially sign off? I don't think so. Yeah. So until we meet again, we will wish you a good day.